Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the H2O Podcast. Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason and Timothy Harvey. Happy to have this you here. This is the H2O Podcast. And it's Comic-Con time again. It is, it is, it is. An hour ahead of us in New York. We got New York up on the wall. Uh, uh, our wall o'clocks, like you have in the newsroom. There they are back there. And New York Comic Con uh, this week, this past weekend, and um, lots of news coming out of it, lots of announcements. So we're gonna take the opportunity to cuss and discuss New York Comic Con. And I, such. you know, my my visit to New York several years ago, I quite enjoyed it. It's it was you know I'd never been before, um, but it was just you know I was hanging out with a friend and and her family and. It wasn't. It wasn't for something like this, and I would actually really like to have the opportunity one of these days to go to New York for something like this yeah. because you know, like I really enjoyed going to see shows, and there's a lot of cool art, and you know, there's a lot of things to do aside from the the Comic Con, but so many interesting panels happen at these things that. Just don't get to see. <laughs> well, and you know, in in the pantheon of the big shows, you've got San Diego, you've got mm-hmm. you know Comic Con International in San Diego, you got Dragon Con in Atlanta, you got New York Comic Con, you've got Fan X in Salt Lake, um, and those are I think probably the big four. You got C two E two in Chicago. And then all of the fan expos and the you know that that set and the creation cons, but right. you know you you look at the ones that really kind of hold a spot, and New York, San Diego, Atlanta are are in those you know top five I right. guess. And I would I would not mind going to New York Comic Con at some point and maybe get on the floor with our cameras and our lights and our computers and go live from New York Comic Con. You know, do one of right. those. And that'd, do, be, that'd be a lot of fun. It and, would. and you know, they got some great food in New York. Yeah. Well, if anybody wants to sponsor our live broadcast from New York Comic Con, uh, you can you can send a check or money order too. Um, <laughs> I I wouldn't mind doing it. I mean, if we could find sponsors and we could find a way to do it, then uh, then we'd be then we'd be right there. But it's still. I'd like to I'd, I'd like to see if the with the Museum of Modern Art MoMA. They had some. It was literally a Yoko Ono because she's an artist. She's a yeah, very successful artist. Whether or not you like her art, of course, is you know up to you. And they had some thing that she had that made noise it was part of the the thing so and periodically you just hear this strange noise and didn't know what it was until you got <laughs> to the display and it's like it's you know it's a multimedia piece it's it's sound and visuals and it's just like okay but i could not identify this noise and i'm like yeah. what is that sound <laughs> i you know and and it's it's those things where you know we've we we've driven through New York City before when my my family went on a on a summer vacation, mm-hmm. and we did Nashville and on up into uh, Washington D.C. and Mount Vernon and and you know we 
popped over and looked at Niagara Falls. You know, all these things just kind of going up and over and around. And we didn't get a whole lot of time to spend it. We just drove through Times Square. And this was 1980, I think it was. Or no, it was, yeah, might have been 1980. And Oh, yeah. It was very Times Square was a very different experience yes, when I went than when you was. guys drove through. Well, it was it was it was broad daylight, so there wasn't a whole lot of people around, and we're driving through, and we stop at a red light, and somebody pulls up next to us, and is you know rolls down the window asking for directions. We're like, well, we don't know. We're from Dallas. Oh, funny thing, we're from Fort Worth, <laughs> and it was just like neither one of us know where we're going, but the other thing is the the funny part of that because when we went to washington dc we we went through all of this stuff and and my mom can't figure out why but i can't remember a lot of the uh, of the trip Mm. i don't remember going into the white house i remember being outside the white house because i've got a polaroid picture of the white house from the fence but i don't remember going inside the white house and my mom's like i don't how can you not remember going inside the White House? I was like, Mom, I was 10 years old. I don't remember. I don't remember much. And the one thing that I do remember out of that entire trip is every single radio station from Dallas to D.C. to New York and back all played Queen of Hearts by Juice Newton. It was a very popular song. Every radio station. It didn't matter if it was a country radio station, a pop radio station, top four. Every station. I I cannot tell you how many times I heard that song on that trip. I got so sick of hearing that song. I got to, when I was in D.C. for a conference two years ago now, three years ago now, um, and my brother lives across the state line in Virginia. So I was able to stay with my brother and then go to the conference. And, um, but because I was at a conference, I only got to see so much of DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just the way it works. You're at a conference, you're there for three days. And most of those days are at the conference. So yeah. you've got, you know, probably 12 hours of your actual trip where you can actually sightsee. But I would, I would take the train in, um, from, you know, the station down by his place, down to the closest one to the to the hotel for where we were having the conference. And so I had this, I was able to explore this like two block stretch. Yeah. That it was like, ooh, what's this tiny hole in the wall pizza place? <laughs> you know, and it was, it, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but the best, the most interesting part, well, not the, no, the funniest part of going to New York was, you know how in the movies you see all the, you know, the, crazy absolutely insane cabbies that you get in the movies who drive like lunatics and and you know yeah so those are real yeah um we got off the plane got into a cab the cab took off like a rocket was weaving in and out you look over and all the other cabs are doing the same thing and and it's just like i've got this giant grin on my face because it's like this is so insane. This is so ridiculous. <laughs> it looks like it ought to be a scene in a movie where the guy from the Midwest sits there and goes, what's going on? And I just, I start grinning. And the, it was my friend and her two kids on this trip. And her 
kids are the kids are like you know <laughs> and it's like why are you smiling and i'm like this is crazy and cool and we're all gonna die <laughs> right <laughs> that's the way that but it, but and it, you know they obviously you know you get to be successful as a cabbie in in this environment by being really good at driving yeah um and as someone who used to drive professionally i can appreciate what they their their skill but it was like wow this movie cliche is there's a reason why it exists it's because it's real yeah yeah and i was just like okay sure MSF. Also, you learned you also learned how to walk through traffic on crossing the street because uh, the cars don't actually stop. Yeah, you weave, you bob and weave, duck and roll, tuck and roll. Emma uh, says, "I went to D.C. once and spent all day in a French art museum looking for the Seinfeld set, not knowing the Smithsonian had several buildings." <laughs> I would like to go back and now that the now that the Enterprise is out, uh, both of them, and uh, and go through the new. I go through the new air and space mm. display. I didn't get to go to the air and space part. Yeah, yeah. I got to. It's the. I got to spend maybe like four hours in museums in DC. It yeah. was really I re, nowhere near long enough. Because the Enterprise, I remember when we went to DC. That's one thing I do remember because they did have the Enterprise out, the shooting model, and it was it was hanging out off off of the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And it was up in the air, and you could see it, but you couldn't really see it. I mean, it was it was only maybe you know, it was maybe about fifteen fifteen twenty feet up off the air, mm-hmm. off the ground, so you could see it, and you could get the detail and whatnot. But it hadn't been rest- this was way back before it got restored, and now that it's in the glass case and it's fully restored, and they've got the little AMT model with it, mm-hmm. like from nineteen sixty seven, an original AMT model that somebody put together, and right. Like, I want to go back and see that. I, I really, I really want to do a lot of stuff. But you know, it's well, and and, and while, while while we're people are considering, you know, sending us to interesting places to do stories. Um, I've been to the Louvre before in in Paris, and I got to spend the entire day, pretty much from open to close, and it wasn't anywhere near enough. Yeah. The place is huge. Um, and there are all kinds of museums in London I didn't get to go into because I didn't have. I was only I was only there for. I was only in London for a week. I didn't have time to make it to all the museums. Yeah. Um, and so, if you feel inclined, folks, to help us go cover um, some of the uh, uh, you know the UK-based conventions, I would we'd be happy to, to do I that for you and report from stuff. the you know the give you some history uh, as well. Well, and and you know, we talk about going to all of these different different events. The the world has changed a little bit. I mean, post pandemic, people are trying to get back to normal. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I thought was kind of kind of interesting seeing a lot of the imagery coming out of New York this weekend. Um, you have New New York originally was not going to require masks or proof of vaccination, and people blew a gasket, and there was all this sort of blowback, and so they said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do it," and all that. And then you see the pictures from New York Comic Cons; nobody's wearing a mask. I'm like, well, that that lasted about that long, which is fine. It says you know people are people are wanting to get back to normal, and and I I'm hoping that. This time next year, especially, but you know, the further we go, the more normal people are going to want to do things and 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 sure. get past this. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I and I completely agree, but I also like Mindy just put in the chat, Concrud, 
Yeah, but Con, I'm, I'm Con tempted to wear a mask thing. of cons anyway, just because. Concord's been a thing forever, though. I mean, as I long know. as you, why, as long as you take your wearing masks before now, <laughs> as long as you're taking your vitamin C, you should be fine, right? Uh, yeah, you put put a whole bunch of people in a in a room. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's gonna happen. I mean, it's like yeah. any. <clears throat> I used to go um, when I was uh, uh, a counselor at a Boy Scout camp. You know every. Every couple of years, you'd come down with something that you picked up from some camper. Yeah, you know. Um, but anyway, I got a I got an article here. This is from CNBC. Before the event opened, they were anticipating two hundred thousand in attendance. That's crazy. I mean, Planet Comic Con's what eighty eighty thousand now seventy. Well, pre pandemic, there were about eighty thousand the last time. Well, sure, but we're also looking something. at you know the population you know Man manhattan island is very vertical yeah um so i mean they got a pretty high population density you know we're much more spread out so there's a whole lot more people crammed into that space so you know they come with a built-in audience but yeah i mean the the good news is is that we're getting these larger events again and as long as as long as people are remaining healthy i'm i'm all for getting back into these these big things because one of the best parts about going to these cons, even even if it's not some big, you know, here's the big announcement from big studio or the big comic company or whatever, mm -hmm. it's the fact that you're hanging out with a whole bunch of people who, you know, they they may not share every one of your same interests, you know, whether it's manga or, you know, uh, movies or books or toys or any of that stuff. But you're all kind of united in this in this love of you know the genre, right? And that's you know it's cool to hang out with a bunch of people who are who are you know there to there to enjoy the cool things to see, um, and you know you can you can find you know your people there sometimes, you know total strangers. People make friends at these things because it's a um, a great place. Yeah, exactly. Passion yeah, nights and. And um, you can, uh, you know, come home with a lot of expensive <laughs> stuff you decided that you needed to buy. See, now, we're in a unique position, though, because if we go to these things and we buy stuff, tchotchkes, as long as we keep the receipts and they <laughs> go into the set, then it's a business expense. That's true. Right? <clears throat> The best part, uh, the best part about the last couple of times that we reported live from Planet Comic Con is that we'd get uh, we because we were interviewing folks all over the floor, mm -hmm. and we'd have folks come up to our our set and sit and talk with us for a little bit. Is when the writers, the folk, the authors who were there, a lot of self published authors, you know, have booths and stuff there. They'd give us reader copies. Yeah, yeah. and so you could score like you know, some you know, and you know, some of them are better than others. Obviously, it's just a reality a, yeah, of publishing but um it was great to sit there and go away and we could like oh I, I, i'm leaving with four books today <laughs> <laughs> well and i thought at the next the next time we do one of those uh we've got plenty of books in our pile that we've reviewed and mm -hmm. you know we're right now they're sitting in a box and i'm like well i don't see any reason why we couldn't put those out on a table and say help yourself 
you know, these sure. are these are all books that we've reviewed. Here, here, take one. You know, what was the um, the time traveling sex book? <laughs> time them, they, 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 time were, they were great to talk to. They were fantastic interview. Yeah, time bangers. Uh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I'm not I'm not sure where that 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 was like the old apartment, and uh-huh. so it's in, it's in the giant pile of books right. in the overflowing pile of books in in the other room. But um, yeah, I will. I, I will say. Uh, I will say. If Mrs. Boss has got time, find the link to because uh, you've talked to them. I, I've talked to them once, and you've talked to them once. I think. Right. Right. So. And they're so. I mean, it, yeah, they were. They were an absolute great interview, um, and they were a lot of fun. And I got to talk to them over at their table, um, and they had their some of their fans who were over there were just really super excited to see, which is always great. You know, I mean, you even especially when you're a smaller author when you're when you're self-publishing the yeah. fact that you have you know people who know who you are who come up to you at a convention and they're like it's so cool to see you i love your book you know i mean that's that's an incredible feeling as, as a you know as a, someone who's creating something so yeah. well and and one of these days <clears throat> maybe we'll have enough followers and enough enough of an audience where we can start doing fan meetups or something you know let's Let's pick a hole in the wall pizza place and have you know forty or fifty people get together and we'll all just kind of sit and and congregate for a little bit. But that's for another day. One of these days, maybe. But we do have uh, lots of lots of things to talk about. Lots of news coming out of New York Comic Con. Um, where do we start? Because there's a lot. There is a lot, and excuse me. And I mean, some of it was kind of expected. I mean, you, you expect to hear something, you know, you, especially with the timing. You know, you've got the new Halloween picture coming out, so Jamie Lee Curtis makes perfect sense to be there and yeah. and talking, you know, about you know her legacy and things like that. So you you have these appearances from actors. You know, you, you had the panels. You had you know you had Star Trek. You had um, um, Supernatural. You had Walking Dead. You had Halloween. You had Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd reunion. Yes, that was that was fun to watch. Um, and and so I mean, you get you get these really kind of neat experiences where if you're waiting on something from a fan from you know your fan base, uh, the the Walking Dead universe, for example, of course, the main show is coming to an end here in about seven or eight weeks. Maybe not even that long, and then we got all these spinoffs happening, and we went in to the weekend. We had just learned that the walk, the the uh, Norman Reedus Walking Dead show was going to be called um, Daryl. Daryl um, Dixon. Yeah. I mean Daryl Dixon. So it's 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 okay. Yeah, uh, it's not a particularly engaging title, but he's the character has this fan base so these these little teases right and we get a few photos from from um the new york set walking dead spinoff with with um negan and maggie and so you get these little pieces of information so the well as somebody who has followed the walking dead for a very long time now (laughs) for good and for ill for for my sins um (laughs) The uh, you know the there's a certain amount of fatigue that sets in. Sure. Um, and 
interestingly enough, these announcements, these then this particular stuff that we're getting with these two shows, seems to be a little bit of revitalizing um, some of the some of the fan base here, because I think that you know we you've had you know the walking dead the walking dead like any long-running tv show right had its highs it's had its lows yeah um and the numbers that the viewing numbers that we have now are not anywhere comparable to what they originally were but it still makes money for amc so you know continuing to run it is is makes sense from their point of view but the fact that they're actually coming up with ideas that at least in the concept seems to be exciting things you know so it's not uh um you know there's not a there's not that sense of why are you dragging this out that you can sometimes get with this sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah um and i think it's still going on for like a show like say fear the walking dead it's like why was the last season why why was the last season <laughs> um and and you know th- so even as someone as jaded <laughs> in the in the ways of the Walking Dead as I am, um, you know, at, I'm not excited about either show just yet. I don't know if I will be just because I've Walking Dead has you know burned everyone before. Right. Um, but at least the spinoffs sound interesting, and and that so that was cool to get a little a little bit of teasers. I mean, you know, there we're we're looking at shows that are going to come out next year. Yeah. Right. I mean, so we're 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 a ways out from getting anything like a, tra- a real trailer or anything like that. So um, but still, I mean, for the, you know, the fans of the show and there are still a lot of them. Uh, it's it's exciting news, which is cool. I think you mentioned Star Trek, uh, the the a lot of the, the the horror stuff, you know, for me is not, uh, you know, I'm right. I'm not a horror fan, but, you know, looking at. Stuff like the Teen Wolf and the Wolf Pack stuff, and uh, I think uh, Gaiman came out and there's a there's a, a Good Omens. We got it. Mm-hmm. We got news about Good Omens, right. and it really does kind of feel like there's a big mix of a lot of different things that's mm-hmm. about to come out, and and right. you know after how many. How many months, you know, we're looking at 2022. There's not very much coming to theaters and productions were interrupted and halted and, you know, start up and stop and start up and stop because of pandemic crap that it it's nice that we have so much that's coming. But at the same time, there's so much that's coming. Oh, remember on Saturday I sat there and went through the like 12, 13, 14. Yeah horror films that are out all at once. Right. You know how many of them though I've watched? Because there's only so many hours in the day. And, you know, you can't, I, I would love to sit down and spend an entire weekend just binging all the stuff that's available. So it's, it's you know, you and I, because you have to have at least one ep- once an episode, are old enough to remember. <laughs> yes. When there just wasn't anything like this in terms of content. Uh, availability for genre it just simply didn't happen because it wasn't you know know, when we were really young star wars hadn't happened yet yeah um and you know if you were 
Well, even when it did, I mean, you didn't have very much of anything coming out of it until maybe the the early 80s. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, you had Alien, you had Close Encounters, you had Star Wars, you had Battlestar Galactica for a season. I mean, it didn't it didn't survive. And then you didn't get anything until the syndicated stuff, really. I mean, you got Knight, right. Knight Rider on on NBC, but the rest of it was hit and miss. I mean, then you had Mutant X, and you had Relic Hunter, and all, you know, Xena and Hercules and all that. But all of that uh, stuff came and, later. And the movie, the, the movie theatrical release model was different than two. You would have yeah. films in a theater for six months, eight months. If it was a big hit, it could be in the theater longer than that. And top, top now gun, the top, the rotation is get them in, you know, get them in there and there for six weeks and they're out. Yeah, know? but Top Gun Maverick has broken that. I I mean, it's it's in theaters now. It's in we're twenty weeks in, and right, and it's there's still something the there's 10. something to be said for that. Um, yeah. Although, also in those days, um, you had far fewer physical theaters. So if you wanted to see a film that wasn't playing at your theater that had been out already and it wasn't big enough to displace the one that was in your theater that was still a hit for that theater, yeah. it might not come to you. <laughs> well, we didn't, the, have, we didn't have VCRs back in those days. We didn't have VCRs. Out of stone. We didn't have streaming. We didn't have cable yet. But we did have the dollar theater. We had the second run movie theaters and and well, so those the drive Those didn't come till later either. Those were the those were the late eighties. No, we we had one. We had one mid seventies. There was one just down the street, the Chateau oh, Theater. Oh yeah, was, not, you know, not, like two, not in Wichita, Kansas. I'm afraid. They, uh, yeah, I think well, I guess the Crest the... Theater was the one that we used to go to a lot. It's where I saw um, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I saw ET there. I saw Star Wars there. Yeah, um, it was a beautiful, beautiful old theater back when they. They made theaters that they still had that feeling of like moving from a theater right. from like a live theater yeah, feeling. Theater. So you had the murals and you had the the, the really cool architecture. Terrible, terrible shame yeah. that uh, and, and eventually it like a lot of old buildings that that really was a very pretty movie theater um, with a single screen. Uh huh. Well, um, you have it, it you know, it, it it brings me to mind. Um, Samuel T. Cogley. We just mm. we just watched Court Martial the other night, mm. and uh, he says, you know, you've got this electronicized, pasteurized, homogenized, mechanicalized, you know, thing, and I'm thinking all of this stuff in in the the movie theaters that we have now, and the the streaming services and all this other stuff, it's so impersonal and it's so. No, I, basic and and there's no there's no art to it. Yeah, you know, like you're talking about with the movie theaters, you go in. You know, the architecture is very basic. It's it's cookie cutter stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's something to be said for the smaller theaters. I mean, we've got one here oh. with Armor Theater that that still has that kind. Of, there's there's something about the atmosphere of those kind of of places. Or the or the theater that we just did when when the Kansas City Fringe Festival, I I ran the film program um, again this year, and it was in this little tiny narrow sliver of a indie theater called the Stray Cat, mm -hmm. and they showed just all kinds of bizarre, crazy stuff, and I was just like, this is so cool that this is here because 
indie theaters, the the little art house theaters, right? They just don't. They're they're really hard to be prof for them to be profitable. And this one's the Stray Cat is run by a nonprofit, yeah. So they're able to to you know stay open, you know, even in well, they were open during throughout the pandemic. Um, now it meant you had like tiny audiences because it's not a big place, but yeah. they stayed open. Um, uh, and MS, you know, makes that a, kind of stuff is really cool. Yeah, MS makes an interesting point. Today, maybe shows don't get the time they need to build an audience. If you don't come out running, you get canceled. And and I think that's an interesting that's an oh, interesting yeah. point because I've I've complained a number of times about the fact that we're because we, we constantly get news items for Saturday morning where you know you've got this movie deal adapting a book that hasn't even been published yet. Right. And I'm thinking, why? Hi, hold on. What's let the book, let the book simmer a little bit. Let the book find an audience. It's got to, it's got to grow legs. It's got to, it's got to get exposure. It's got to be out there before anybody even can measure whether or not it's going to be worth the time to adapt. It's, it just seems well, like we okay, put the cart but before I, the horse. I will tell on. you that from the publishing standpoint, the advanced reading copies for that book have been out for six months. Well, yeah, I know, because we, we get and them so here. The folks who are making the decisions on, on the studio side, um, they're getting those advanced reading copies. And, and we just, you know, Stephen, we have, the Stephen King fairy tale book is an example of that, that we just got news this Saturday right. uh, about uh, a deal being there. And, I mean, King is going to be an exception, right? More often than not, his movies based on Stephen King books are going to make money. Yeah. So, I mean, it's an obvious Unless one. Unless it's yeah, the Dark it's that's odd. Interestingly enough, what we're seeing here in terms of the the sheer amount of movies that are out and sort of all these things competing for our attention, if you go back to the early days of the studio systems where they were just cranking out, they'd make a movie in a month. Mm -hmm. And that would be like from beginning to edit and then they'd release it next month. Yeah. And it was this constant churn of content um so it's really i mean it's you know his history doesn't actually repeat pre repeat itself but it plays a lot of the same notes and you see this you know kind of weird echo where even though they didn't have the the breadth of the platforms you know this was the movie houses um they were so popular that they were putting out there was uh one of the early filmmaking guys um, bought a ranch and started churning out westerns, and he would shoot like a movie a week. Yeah, and he was one of the first Hollywood moguls. He built a studio, and I mean, this is you know the the length of time it takes to make projects here now, of course, is much much longer, but the growth in the genre. How many the growth in the audience of the genre has gotten so big that for good and for ill we've got so much content yeah i shot a feature film in a week so i know it still can be done it um, can be done it but can be done. you didn't have horses um actually i did you didn't have <laughs> horse stunts that's true i did not have horse stunts but i did have a horse there was a horse 
in one scene for the horse. A whole lot of people got seriously mangled back in those days, too, yeah. because they didn't have much of the way of safety standards. <laughs> MS says, my dad would pay five cents to watch Tarzan every Saturday all day in the theater. Hey, did you hear about the new Tarzan project that Sony's going to do? Have you heard about this? I have not. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. It, it came out, I want to say, Friday we got this because we, we talked about it on Saturday morning. Sony is going to, they, they've obtained the rights to Tarzan. Mm-hmm. And they're going to reimagine it for a modern audience. Which means it's going to fail because oh, nobody will go okay. see it. I realize we're not talking about New York Comic Con. We've kind of gotten off on a tangent here uh, in a big way, which we, okay, folks, if you, this, is, this is your this first is time tuning in, yeah. welcome to the show. Um, <laughs> but so Tarzan, okay, so Tarzan's like the shadow, okay? And when, I've talked about the shadow before. It's the shadow works in ni- the 1930s. Yes. He, that, I, I, you can make a character like the shadow in the modern era, but you have to change some things. They did the Batman, um, but the, or, well, you split them in two. You've got Batman, you've got the Punisher. All right. Um, but he works because in the thirties, because that's the era of the mob mm-hmm. and, and, and film noir and all these things that the shadow really fits into. And the technology enables the shadow to to kind of fit, fit the space and the level of mysticism that's in the shadow stories yeah. fits that sort of environment tarzan was written at a time when africa was mysterious yes it was the mysterious continent and it had you know it and so a lot of the things that are in the Tarzan books. Um, if you take them and try to overlay them across actual Africa, it's yeah. There's it's a fantasy version, right? The thing is, is that we have seen this with other with other properties. Audiences are willing to accept a fantasy version of something. If it's set in that time period, if you're doing if you're doing something in the 1400s, you you can believe this sort of fantastical version of the 1400s. It's well, it's Game of Thrones, right? Um, but if you're if you were to try and do that in the modern era without really making it very stylized, and maybe that's what they're going to do. Ah, uh, mm, I think it's a real fine line. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's it how you'd make it work. Given given Hollywood's track record for reimagining for a modern audience, they're not going to do very well because we've got one. We've got one that was announced. We got the first trailer for for a reimagined at New York Comic Con with Velma. And I I, I got to tell you, I look at this thing and I was like, this is pure hokum. It's not going to even last. It, it it won't it won't go past a season if that. It, it might find its audience. It doesn't particularly engage me, but I would also say that the reimagined Hellraiser, for example. Yeah. But also, the one thing that may work in Tarzan's favor, and I'm skeptical, I'm very skeptical. Yeah. Um, because, again, I think I think you can make a Tarzan film. The, mm, 
do it like Legend of Greystoke. Okay, it's a period piece. It has to be. It's, but that's not that's not how they're describing it in the news articles. Like, re- that seems like a mistake. Reimagining um, the, the entire know, the, the entire uh, story universe. So they're taking the whole the whole Tarzan property and reinventing it. And I thought, no, 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 no. That's I mean, that's a bad idea. Maybe maybe they've got one very clever entry into doing that. And I don't I'm, know. I mean, and hey, maybe they'll pull it off. But that's I'm super skeptical just based on track record with Tarzan. Yeah. Because uh, it's not the most recent. You know, we had a recent Tarzan film, but five years ago, six years ago, something. Something like that. Well, there's the, there's well, been something the in Skarsgård? development. Uh, yeah. Bill, Bill Skarsgård. I think. I mean, was. you know, it, uh, and it this failed. Is, this is one of those the the very attractive Skarsgård people. This is like a draw, um, but you know, um, they re like I said, they reimagined Hellraiser, and I think overall it works really, really well. But it also had um, eight films that were not good. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, it was time. I mean, but you don't want to be in a position where you're getting on the 11th film in a series. Um, and <laughs> finally, it's good again. You know, that you, that's not a position you want to be in. Yeah. For your story, right? I just, uh, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm just looking at that and I'm thinking, that's going to be such a bad such a bad experience. You know what? Okay, okay. Maybe this Tarzan is an astronaut whose family crashes on a planet and dies, and the <laughs> animals raise him. Okay, that's uh, Swiss Family Robinson in space, and which, that which was is also lost in space. Lost in space. Yeah. So that's actually an in. You could do that, but it would be, uh, well, then you've got John. It's John Carter. Yeah. Bring back John Carter. Well, and Andrew Stanton <laughs> is working on a new movie, verse. but it's not the sequel to John Carter. So, yeah. <sighs> yes, the Hellraiser movies have been bad. I liked the new one. Um, it didn't scare me, but but I'll be honest, I haven't been frightened by a horror film since the first Halloween uh, when I saw it and I was a teenager, and so I'm very jaded when it comes to horror. Yeah. Um, but I liked I liked the film. I thought they did a good job. It's got I, its problems. It does have its problems. It's not a perfect movie. But it's, I, are you going to write? Was, a re- you going to write a review? I should. Yes, you should. I should tell because I, I, I think that it's if you're if you're a fan of Hellraiser, yeah. Have it on my desk were, by Wednesday. You were you were un, you were concerned. I'd say it's worth checking out. Just if nothing else to see some of the clever things that they did. And if you're a fan of horror films, um, it's a solid horror movie. That said, turn the lights up. (laughs) Not everything (laughs) needs to be... yeah, I, there there are times when you want you want your villains in shadow. There, I absolutely, I hundred percent agree. Yeah, there are times when it's like, wow, that is a really great creature design. I wish I, I could wish see I it. could see it. Yeah, I've 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 seen some of that same complaint uh, with regard to Star Trek, of all things, yeah. because you know Picard, you know, the the new trailer for Picard is out, the new trailer for Discovery is out. And people are going, man, I really wish these people knew what lights were. 
yeah. It's J.J. Abrams' fault because the he lit he lit everything in the new movies so brightly. Everyone yeah. they're still they're, they've still got spots in their eyes, right? And so they're like they can't tell it's that dark. Yeah. Speaking they're of, still, they're still blind. What do you think of the Picard? I mean, the the Discovery okay, thing so, is a mess, but the Picard trailer, I'm intrigued. I am. I am as well. So here's 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 the thing that first season of Picard. I thought was some interesting ideas, but yeah, second season of Picard, I thought was better, but it was also some interesting ideas, but, and, and I, I did like it better than the first season. Mm. I didn't hate the first season. I, I, I wasn't oh, super excited about it terrible, terrible uh, when it was all said and done, but the, the second season was better. This, however, because we're bringing back the original, the rest of the crew, yeah. Right, we're getting the reunion, and this is, I think, what really a lot of fans really wanted, right? Yeah, and in, in the first place, and quite frankly, I think it gives the strengths of what you know, all power to Patrick Stewart to, to be a producer and want to tell the stories he wants to tell. That's great, but the, the bringing the, the crew back together and bringing back, I mean, if spoiler alert for the folks who haven't seen the trailer, but tough. Moriarty? I know, right? And the thing is, is that even though he clearly has gotten older, he's aged just like the rest of us, mm. he completely 100% works as old Moriarty. I, I was just like, was, okay, one shot. It's one this. shot. I get it. Yeah. But I was watching what, what, it when he what, showed one up. Line of dialogue. He showed up and but, I'm like, what? What's he doing there? What? what? Hey, huh? Hold on. But yeah. Here's my concern. Here's my concern about all this really cool stuff and and why I'm really I'm excited and I'm also a little concerned because the more that trailer goes on, the more I'm like, there's so much happening. Mm -hmm. And I realize it's a trailer, right? Trailers are cut yes. to make it look the story may the story may unfold at a very measured pace that we're like, OK, this is perfect. Da, 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 you know, which is as an editor, you love to see. But. And then we get lore and I'm like, <clears throat> yeah, hang on. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking as I, the more I look at this thing, I'm, oh. I'm thinking we're seeing two different battles. It's not oh, all yeah. the same. We're seeing at least two and the stuff, because you look at costumes and you look at which sets they're on. Mm -hmm. um, it looks like there's one early. That's probably early in the show. And then you have one later, um, and, and yeah, it's not a trailer for a two hour movie. It's a trailer for a however long series. So, you know, Probably like you said, you can spread this stuff episodes, out, yeah. but you know, you see, you see some of the same beats that have been in other films, you know, it's, mm -hmm. Oh, it's, yeah, and I've seen some complaints. Oh, it's another revenge thing. Why doesn't star Trek ever go back to just exploring new worlds? You know, that whole, that whole idea. They and have a TV show that's doing that. They that's have a why. TV show that's doing that. But what I thought was interesting is now all of the speculation about how Moriarty is out, if he's is out. Amanda, it's Amanda Plummer Chang's daughter. I've seen people who are like, yeah, it's, she's. A, <laughs> I mean, she doesn't look like Plummer's daughter. Why not? Why not have her be Chang's daughter from from Undiscovered Country? And I'm like, yeah. 
but that doesn't work because it's a different it's a different crew. I mean, the the Chang connection works if you're dealing with Kirk and company, right, not right. with Picard. And, and I was just like, that's an interesting idea, but it doesn't connect yeah. as much. But who could she be? And I mean, look, when you're bringing the rest of the crew back like this, and you're yeah. you're doing this kind of what seems to be, you know, this is the send off. This is the you know, and some um, characters might not live to see the end, right? And the some sort of legacy villain would fit into that kind of story very, very well. So I'm very curious to see what they do. I was a little disappointed. Okay, so I, I we get to see a new Enterprise very briefly. Yeah, Enterprise in the trailer. F, that's from Star Trek Online. Right, and and I think that's very cool that they actually that was it was a fan design. Uh, no, it was it was a design from the video game. Uh, okay. the, uh, I, I, somewhere got in my head that it was it would start off as a fan design, but that's the Titan. Oh, right. Okay, the new, so the, the Titan. titan I, I like the, the new titan, titan, by the way. It's a fan design, yeah. Um, but part of me was a little disappointed because, as much as I don't have an issue with what I the very brief glimpse we got of of the new Enterprise, I really liked the Sovereign class. Mm-hmm. I really like that version of the Enterprise, and and I and it's like, but then I, I did the math, and I'm like, how many years later? Well, yeah, yeah they would have replaced it. I yeah. mean, that's how this stuff works. Um, but still, I'm kind of like, I really like that design. Now, assuming they use Admiral Morrill's math, it's not as is not as old as as it actually is. But you know, when he sits there and goes, Jim, the Enterprise is 20 years old. We're like, uh, he's got to be talking about just the refit. Because it's a lot older than that by the time we get to Star Trek Three, so right. But I mean, yeah, it's um, I'm I'm intrigued by the trailer. I think it, it's a very it's a very well made trailer. It's, I mean, and of course, you know, there's companies that specialize in that. Yeah. So I mean, they can be deceptive, but but still, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think um, I do like the new Titan design. It it evokes because it's the new it's the new version of the Constitution class. So it, from what I understand, and I'm like, that's okay. I I can see you can see the design evolution. It's it's solid and follows through, yeah. and it's a good looking ship. I I go back to uh, the various posts that Robert Meyer Burnett has done because he's worked on some Star Trek projects before, some actual official you know behind the scenes stuff and extras on DVDs and what kind of thing. Uh, in addition to Free Enterprise and and a couple of other fan projects. And he's been one of the most vocal critics of Kurtzman mm. Trek and New Trek and just bags on all of it. And he he's somehow, I don't know exactly how he managed to do it, but he's been able to see these 10 episodes of, of season three. And I mm. don't know if it was Terry Metalis reached out to him or some, something happened that Robert could actually, Robert actually has seen the show. Mm-hmm. And he has been singing the praises from the Terry Metalis hymn book for the last three months. And everybody well, is fair. like, this is such a 180 for Robert. And everybody's well, like, no, don't get my hopes up. Don't get my hopes up, Rob. Don't get my hopes right? up. Don't get, you know, because we're all sitting there going, you know, especially those of us who just can't, couldn't stand Discovery. And the first, the first season of Picard just completely fell apart at the end. So much so that a lot of us never even watched season two. I still haven't watched season two. 
I don't have any answers. I was like, this is dumb stuff. You're pulling a bunch of stuff from other from other storylines. You're not giving me anything new. You're not being any, any creative anything. Oh, we're going to do time travel back to modern era? Yuck, yuck. We did that in Star Trek Four, And City on the Edge of Forever. And... You know, how many how many different times are we going to dip into that well? And I'm like, well, this actually looks kind of interesting. Right. But well, I think that we you talk about, you know, we don't give things enough time to breathe. And, and if in the modern era, a lot of these shows we've talked about before that in the in if the original next generation, first season of Next Generation had premiered this year, mm-hmm. it would be canceled. Yeah, it no, would have not no, gotten no a question season. about that. Um, and I think that that's the 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 biggest is some of the biggest issues with huh. Strange New Worlds got to cheat a little bit because they did their first season by having uh, Christopher Pike on Discovery. On Discovery, yeah. Um, so so he ended up being very much a breakout character. Therefore, people were clamoring for. Well, and, you know. and given that the pilot was made back in 1964, they've had plenty of time to tweak. You would and think get something right. Although, but, I mean, the, the the biggest issues for me for the new for the new Star Trek stuff, yeah, is that they they're they're doing the same thing that Next Generation did back in the day. They're coming in with really kind of uncertain first seasons mm-hmm. and then by the time they have figured out the voice it's it's like agents of shield all over again yeah. by the time you've figured out your voice of your show you've lost so much of the audience and and you may never can get them back and if they do come back you know they're they're coming back with not with you know that sense of excitement they're coming back with you know, a fear. Yeah. So well, any Voyager fans in the chat, there is a rumor. There is a rumor. There's a rumor. That Voyager is getting some love in the not too distant future. There I yeah, don't know if I believe it, but I think I, I'm I I would not be surprised if Jane Way gets a show. Um because she's on Prodigy. There's been talk. She says there's been discussions, um, but it hasn't gone anything past. Hey, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if? And uh, no, there's nothing, nothing official or formal or anything like that. Right. Right. Now, there's a rumor coming in October, uh, sometime this month. She's going to be in Bloomington, Indiana, for the big dedication of the Janeway statue there, because Bloomington, Indiana, is the birthplace of Catherine Janeway, right. and she's there. She's been on a whole day there. And it would be interesting to see if that if that turns into, you know, hey, let's announce something, because that's not where you would expect to get an announcement. You'd expect it at New York right. Comic Con or, right. or San Diego or someplace. But if they go to Bloomington, Indiana, and they say, hey, we're here at Catherine Janeway's birthplace, and oh, guess what? You know, she's open to it. Sure. And, well, and I, Voyager for me was always one of those shows where there's a whole lot of missed opportunity. Yeah. The, the idea, the idea of having that entire season, what it was a year in hell was what yes. they were going to, was going to be called. Yes. And it was going to be an entire season where the ship was just basically running a gauntlet. It would have been an, incre- it, I, I know why they didn't do it. 
it would have been an incredibly risky piece of storytelling in that time. Yeah. Now they'd be like, well, it worked for Battlestar Galactica. So, well, and, and that would be your challenge is not reproduce, not doing what Battlestar Galactica did. Not only that, but you know, when Voyager did year of hell, we were still in the process of having stuff play out in, in deep space nine where they were actually starting to get into that serialized storytelling right. And, right. And kind so of break, it would have it would have been a, it would have been very cool to see them do it, but it was the wrong time to do it by that much. But even Deep Space Nine, Voyager Voyager starts off like that exploration Star Trek show you expect it to be. Yeah. Deep Space Nine does not. You're you're going into Deep Space Nine with a different set of expectations. Well, actually, right. people went into Deep Space Nine going, "What? No spaceship?" Yeah. <laughs> the station it just floats around a planet what kind of show is this it's a it's a it's a western and then it's a war movie the um i i know the lower deck show which i quite enjoy did their deep space nine episode yeah i saw some clips and it was the the opening bit it's they they reproduced the opening thing voyager and you know it's like he literally it's like just fly around, just, make yeah, them think we're looking at the pylons. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes it goes around and plays the music. And it, and they loop around the station and the navigator's like, sir, and he goes, just keep circling the pylons. <laughs> and, and it reproduced that opening bit. And, yeah. and it was just like, okay, yes, that's, that is a very loving jab at that very, you know, okay, Star Trek goes in for starship porn. We know this. Well, but, the, the 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 funny the funny story that came out of all of that listening, you know, talking to looking at interviews and and whatnot, um, Armin Shimmerman was talking about when they first approached him to come back and play Quark, and one of the things he said is, you know, when when they're having conversations, they're getting ready to record, he contacted them and said, "Do you want me to bring the teeth?" Right. Because apparently he kept the teeth and he's like, you can't do the you can't do Quark's voice. You can't do the character without the teeth. And people were like, I hadn't even thought about that. You know? And here's the thing. As much as I love his performance in this episode, he is Quark in every wonderful way. Having Nana Visitor there doing Kira mm -hmm. was great. Quark doesn't sound right to me. The performance is dead on. The timing is everything. All of that is exactly there, but the voice and and the rea it, it, the, the simple reality is the actor is older and our voices change. Is is his voice a little bit higher now? The treble the treble is there because the it it didn't it didn't sound off to me, but it did sound different from the live action. And I figure, okay, well, he's in a studio. He's not in. A, he's not on a stage. Yeah, it, just, it was it was fine, but it was like there's. It definitely sounded different. And but anyway, I really enjoyed the episode. If you're a fan of Deep Space Nine, it's it's kind of a little bit of a love letter. Yeah. Well, you in know, a comedic form. You know, Mike, Mike McMahon is trying to figure out how to do a crossover with Enterprise now, right? You know, you well, there is a, there is a crossover. With no, no, there's cro there's a crossover with Strange New Worlds. I'm sorry, not Enterprise with yeah, Strange, Strange New, New Worlds. Worlds. So he's actually wanting to do a, a crossover with Enterprise. Well, I don't know how he's going to do it, but there, there, he's he's trying to figure that out for season four. If uh, if you can do Enterprise in the seasons we didn't get. You can just ignore yeah. most of the rest of the show. Right. Again, 
again, interesting idea. If they made it at a different time where you could experiment more with storytelling, not a prequel. And that's the again, that's the same. Yeah. That's the same problem with Discovery. the The best thing for Discovery was slingshotting into the future, because it meant that you can can you're not you're not constrained. Because okay, so you could do Strange New Worlds is doing it because you've got a window, right? Here's the window. Right. We know the window, and they're operating within the boundaries of that window. So, uh, a, a lot of writers will tell you. If you have constraints, and, and and as independent filmmakers, we experience this. Yes. When you don't have money, you got to get clever. <laughs> when you've only got three locations, you got to get clever. Yeah. And and so having those having those challenges can make make you give you a stronger story, because you have you 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 don't are not allowed to do certain things. You some films are very much an example of we solved the problem by throwing money at it. And yes, it's very pretty, Avatar. Um, okay, yeah. So we got a new Avatar movie coming out. Um, look, Avatar is a beautiful film. It's very well constructed. It's not an original story. That's a disappointment for a lot of people. It's okay. If you loved Avatar, great. I call you it. Got a new Avatar movie coming out. I call I'm it. I'm sure you're excited. Dances with Smurfs. Well, and you know, there's it's and Dances with Wolves wasn't the first movie to do it either. I know, I know, I know, and I know, but it's but, it's a perfect it's a perfectly good description of it. But yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that there are folks who are criticizing Dances of Wolves. There were there were critics who were going, "Yes, it's a good movie," but we've seen it before. Yeah. So I mean, but still, it's yeah. a technic technically, and that's the thing about Cameron, is that no matter what. James Cameron embraces its technology of movie making. And whether you like Avatar or not, the technology, the skill that went into making that film is right. impressive. No, oh, no question. I mean, again, visually, it's a feast. Yeah. Does visually it's a feast age well? Maybe. Depends on what you like. So, well, but I don't know. going back to Comic Con, um, if you are a fan of Supernatural, there was news about the Winchesters. This is the the prequel prequel series. Yeah, <laughs> but it's the it's the parents of the Winchester brothers. And the thing is, is that the original series set up a lot of the lore of what their parents did before the Supernatural show. So. They have this sort of bedrock of story to build on. Yeah. And again, we're coming back to a window where you know the, the TV show has set up the fate of the parents. And it's just like, it's, it's kind of like what, what they're doing with Strange New World. Do you know what happens to Christopher Pike? Right. Spoiler alert for those of you who have missed Star Trek for the last several decades. Christopher Pike has an accident. Um the Winchester parents have their own fate to address. Um, and as somebody who was a casual viewer of Supernatural, I was not one of the just giant fans of the show. And I am one of those people who stopped even being a casual viewer of it. 
after the show should have ended and then kept going for several more seasons. I don't I don't know that I've ever seen a full episode. It's it's entertaining. Um but it's <laughs> excuse me. Book just got really dry. Um if you're a Buffy fan, um it's in that it's in that it's it's darker. Yeah. More, most more than Buffy, it's a darker set of storytelling. Um, but it's in that it's in that kind of young, pretty people fighting evil genre, <laughs> <laughs> which is that, which kind of is a genre of its own. Young, yeah, you know. yeah. Um, Scooby Doo started it; it's their fault. Yeah. Well, and 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 Supernatural did a crossover with Su- Scooby Doo at one point. No, they did, which um, is so probably yeah, I mean, better than Velma. It's, 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 there was some cool news coming out about that. Um, if you're a fan of if you're a fan of the the revived Chucky, which has gotten great reviews, I've only seen a couple of episodes of the new Chucky. So if you're if if you guys have seen it and are enjoying it, um, let us know because I need to get I I've liked what I've seen so far. <laughs> Goodness, you know it's funny you would talk about. You all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. It just Yeah. We talk about Army Shimmer. I'm going to get some water. Oh, okay. All right. I think one of the things that uh interests me in terms of the different things that are coming out because we don't get to see a whole lot of the panels uh and outside of clips and some different things that, you know, show up online. But we got a lot of trailers. We we've got uh, we got you know Picard. We got Discovery. We got a Chucky uh, a trailer. We've got I think the Peripheral gave gave us a, a thing. We got a Doom Patrol trailer. We got a Titan season four trailer. Uh, Which we got both a sneak, of those trailers look really good. Yeah, we got a sneak peek at Good Omen season two. There's a there's a sneak peek of Wheel of Time. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those where we got a lot that's out there now mm-hmm. to look at, you know, even though we don't get, you know, the panel video and stuff, those discussions, but right. you know, it, it would be, it would be fun to be able to take a camera in and be the, be the broadcast partner for this stuff and, and have some things that we could put out there. Mm-hmm. <sighs> One of these days. I don't know. Hey, let me, let me ask you this because, um, uh, we've got, uh, I mentioned it on Saturday. Because we finally got a date for the power of the Doctor, the the, the final mm-hmm. Jodie Whittaker episode, and right. there was an interview that Sophie Aldred did with, I believe, SFX Magazine, and Radio Times was reporting on it, and it turns out that Sophie Aldred kept the bomber jacket. She has Ace's bomber jacket from her time with uh, the Seventh Doctor, and uh, they were talking about. It. She's like, "Do you want me to? You want me to bring the the bomber jacket?" And they're like, "Well, yeah." And and they were gonna model. They were gonna make a new one, model off of this one. She's like, "No, I just we'll just wear this one." And so the show that she's she's gonna have the bomber jacket in the show somewhere, and it's the same one. That's very cool. I read her. I read her Doctor. Actually, I listened to because she narrated it too. I listened to her Doctor Who novel. Well, she's in. She's in a, a couple of of uh, Big Finish productions, right? Yes, but she wrote one. 
she wrote a Doctor Who novel. Oh, okay. And where Ace is the main character, and it's Ace living on her own uh, and having her own adventures on Earth. Um, and, of course, you know, aliens. Sure. But, uh, um, and it was very entertaining. I mean, it's 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 not the best Doctor Who spinoff novel I've ever experienced, but it was definitely worth worthwhile. Um, now, because everyone worries about continuity... Is it canon? <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, interestingly enough, since they did since they did a trailer for the book, um, there's a very good chance that they actually could keep canon with with her appearance in the in the special. I'm actually looking forward. <laughs> As someone who don't, don't thinks Jody didn't get hasn't gotten what she's deserved um, with the writing on on her run. Um, I'm I'm excited to see a lot of these these actors come back to the show. Uh, I hope it. The trailer looks good. It's the the one complaint that you have people have generally not had is that the special effects have actually gotten better under Chibnall. They weren't bad before. He they changed lenses and did some stuff. The show looks great. However, the stories though. Yeah, and it just hurt it. It hurts my soul a little bit because the sad thing is, is as far as I'm concerned. Chris Chibnall is an example of what the downside of when a fan takes over something mm -hmm. is that he so loves 1980s Doctor Who that he's tried to make 1980s Doctor Who in 20, what, the last three years. And I have some news. That's not how we tell stories anymore. It's just not. And, and you can't there's a place for that. Mm -hmm. This isn't it. And I think it's really, like I said, I think, I think Jodie's a fantastic actress and I think she deserved much better than most of, there've been a few bright spots, but most of Chibnall's audience. And the thing is, is that admittedly Colin Baker did get it worse. So, and he got a revival in Big Finish, so I'm hoping yeah, that Jody yeah. gets some when when she's willing to do the Big Finish stuff. She's got gets the script she deserves, if she's willing. I think she will be. I think she will be. I mean, as much as I'd like Capaldi to come back, because Peter Capaldi is one of my favorite doctors. Yeah. Um, as much as I'd love to have him come back, I completely understand why he doesn't want to do a multi-doctor story right now. Right. What's funny? Um, what's funny about that is when they were asking him about it, and he's like. Well, I don't, I don't want to be in there, you know, fighting for time with the other fourteen. I thought, hang on a minute, did he just, did he just spill something? I don't think he did. But wouldn't that be just, wouldn't that just be like Davies to try, try to do something like that for the sixty? Oh, to be perfectly honest, if we get a glimpse of all fourteen. Um, in the course of that, I would not be surprised. Yeah, because I think that I think that you know, pe remember how people reacted when we just got Capaldi's attack eyebrows, um, and that's all we saw of him. Yeah, uh, and people were like, "Oh, new doctor." <laughs> yeah. Well, so I mean, I can you know, see it being, happening. Being able to use you know archival footage of the other doctors, I think you know, helped with that scene immensely. Right. But so yeah, I mean, I think that. Um, I, I get it, and and no, she's she is one another person who has really enjoyed playing the part. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think that while she, like a lot of other actors, would probably want to take a break and do something else because that's been your life for, you know, yeah. three, four years. Well, she just uh, gave birth, didn't she? Or she's about to? Yeah, I think this is her, is, I think this is her second kid. Second, yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, so. some there was, um, a, there was an award. Was it BAFTA she showed up and BAFTA's, she was pregnant? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she yeah. Uh, maybe she hasn't given birth yet, but yeah, it's it's coming. But yeah, so I mean, I think I think she'll, you know, and look, if we can get if we can get Eccleston back to do Big Finish, Jody will come back to do Big Finish. And quite frankly, um, while Big Finish has their hits and misses too, they're not a perfect. They don't. They don't. The, there have been some Eighth Doctor scripts that were. They did a lot of Eighth Doctor scripts, though, so there, there was more good than bad. Yeah. Um, so they're not perfect, but I think that I think that they'll. I really would like to see what they do for her in that because I think that again, she deserved better. And Chris <laughs> Chibnall needs to go back to doing mysteries because he's a very solid mystery storyteller. And obviously loves Doctor Who, and that's great. Do you, how how much do you think fans who left during Jody's run? How what what are the odds that they come back for the new Doctor? So I think that there is a. If nothing else, bringing back David Tennant and Catherine Tate is going to draw in the fans of those performers. Yeah. Having Davies come back also is going to... There's there's some real benefits to this, to bringing back folks who may have stepped away from the show. The trick is, like anything else, is going to be to hold on to them. Right. And right. here is here is my one worry. My one worry with Davies taking over the show again, because he is continu- he didn't stop writing after he left Doctor Who. Right, he kept making shows that keep winning awards and keep cranking out at young actors who are becoming stars. Right, so he's not, you know, just goofing off. He's continuing to, to, to do the work. The thing is, is that there were a whole bunch of really great Davies episodes. A lot of them were written by other people. He has a sense in his own writing of this very big theatrical, grand scale stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's great. And there are other times it's like, again? Yeah. <laughs> and part of that, part of that, unfortunately, is also built into the show itself. It's Doctor Who. It's what we kind of expect big things um so i think the potential is there i think that um the fact that he was very often willing to bring in other writers um to tell great stories and to write some great stories himself i think it's the benefits are outweighing my concerns right now because my concerns are mostly just the things that I personally didn't much care for when he was showrunner. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't mean they're bad or they're not going to be popular. It's just to my taste. 
And well, and you know, Moffat had his his elements oh. and detractors. Oh, and no kidding, good, no good kidding. I mean, I, I, I was too, a big actually. fan of a lot of Stephen Moffat storytelling, but if you were a casual viewer who dropped into one of his timey wimey episodes, <laughs> you're lost. You're just lost. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, I enjoyed those, but some of those were just like, huh? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, you know, and, and that's <clears throat> for all the issues that people are going to have with Chibnall. Um, I mean, the, the thing, and the thing that, that makes me the saddest about the last few years is that he clearly loves the show. And that's, that's the hardest part is that this is a guy who loves Doctor Who. And you can tell even when it's not working yeah. that he loves Doctor Who. And that's just, you know, we've talked about the perils of fandom running things versus we, we talk more about the folks who are not really fans of the thing yeah. making a new version of the thing. But sometimes it's it's the reverse. It's the folks who really love it who it's the part that they love that doesn't necessarily age well. No. Speaking of making new things, uh, new versions of things, um, we've got a trailer for Wednesday with the reveal that uh, Fred Armisen is going to be playing Uncle Fester. Yeah. We've got Christina Ricci showing up at the end there. She's playing the headmaster of the, the headmistress of the, of the school. Um, I'm I'm going to tune in. I mean, it's, again, it's going to come down to is this going to be entertaining? Yeah. The, I think the pieces are there to make this work and it's just going to all come down to does it flow? Yeah, I it mean, all it, it all comes down to the writing. Yeah, and I think that this is this is the kind of thing that if it works, it's going to be a lot of fun. And it looks like it could be a lot of fun right now. I mean, I'm I'm not seeing anything in the trailers that is giving me warning signs um, that, like, you know, ooh, red flag. I, I haven't seen anything like that so mm-hmm. far. But I again, we come back to trailers. Yeah. One one thing that I've noticed as we've gone through various different items uh, this evening, a recurring thought: if it works. You know, I mean, there's so much of this where it's like, well, if it works, it could be good. Some of this stuff is is kind of there's some risky stuff here, okay? And and think that and 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 not like you know, oh no, world shattering risk. But I mean, you're you're playing with with storytelling that comes with a fan base. Yeah, it comes with with folks who, um, uh you know, have been familiar with these characters for a long time. And anytime you, you make a different version of that, there's a risk, right? If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it's going to not work pretty hard. Um, and, you know, it, like you're talking about with the development trailer, it might be a very entertaining show, but it's working against the expectations um, that you have from previous versions of it, right? Anytime yeah. you do a new version of a thing, and and it's going to be fighting that. The problem the problem I have with the Velma stuff, uh, just just based on the trailer, because I haven't really seen anything else. One, right. you've got you've got a self insert with Mindy Kaling, changing the ethnicity of Velma, which seems to be completely unnecessary. Two, 
you have all of the meta self-aware garbage that's in that trailer you know where she's you know you've got Velma basically being that toxic fan type where you know well if you change if you change Judy Jetson and she's not boy crazy anymore I'm going to boycott the show or anything and I was like really this is not going to age well I mean it might it might play okay in in the in the first viewing but nobody even if it's successful and I highly doubt it will be. But even if it is, nobody is going to remember this show in two years, in f- in five years. It's here's not the thing going about to work. Scooby Doo shows. Nobody remembers any of them except the originals. But this Scooby Doo, this this show didn't even have Scooby Doo because it couldn't get the rights to the character. Right. And why? So, and why? It, why would you make the dope smoker black? Look, the problem with Scooby Doo shows is that not a single one of them has captured what made the original series ultimately work. And again, Agreed. we come back to something. Some some things really are this place, this time. Yeah. And Lightning that the whole era of animation, some of it was better than others. <laughs> um and and some of that came out of that generation and then sh- that generation showing to their kids and building the fan bases that way. Yes, there have been some good shows. Mystery Incorporated was 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 fun. But the thing is, is that the original series is what everybody remembers. Yeah. And even when you ended up with a I hate to say this. I hate to say this. The live action Scooby Doo movies. The first one. As soon as you get Scrappy Doo, and just it's it's over <laughs> for anything. Um, but the first one, that was cast really well. I couldn't buy uh, I couldn't fi- buy Freddie Prince Jr. as Fred. Well, I think it. it, it I, I saw a clip work. from it recently, and I was like, "That's not bad." But all things considered, it was a pretty solid at live action adaptation of a cartoon. No. And you know what? It's still not what I think of when I think of Scooby Doo. I think of and I think of the series prior to Scooby Doo and the Harlem Globetrotters and Scooby Doo and Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, nah, push that over here. That's fine. <laughs> it's fine, but it's not what I think of. Right? I think of the right. original the original stuff. Yeah. Right? And it's the same way I think of there was a Johnny Quest had a revival. And it was well made. I thought it was right. well done. But you know what? You go back to the original. the original. And the, some of that is the fact that that's my first exposure, right? It, it, it brings to mind a story. Because when you watch the original Scooby-Doo, mm-hmm. there are those moments where the dog and, and Shaggy are just standing still, running standing still, right? Right, you know, sure. they, can't, uh-huh. yeah. they can't get traction and, and then they take off. And for the longest time, it's just such, that's so silly. And then you get a little Shisu Bishan mix and a wood floor. <laughs> of course, and right. I tell you, that can happen. And it happens quite a bit. <laughs> and well, it doesn't go anywhere. Huh? Do I? 
even without Scooby Snacks. Yeah, right. And it's just you know, hey, it's time to it's time to to throw chicken. So I throw the chicken, and he's you know scrambled down right. down the hallway. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> but there is there is something about that, and and somebody mentioned He Man, another lightning in a bottle thing, because you know now I've seen comments to the effect that the what was it 2000 2007 something like there was a masters of the universe series there was a reboot that's kind of like that full metal alchemist type of animation that we got with the the new Mm -hmm. stuff but you had the original he-man and then this one apparently found its audience as well there were a lot of people that think that this one that one was good and then you've got the kevin smith one that everybody thinks is garbage so it's you know that not, that not kind of thing. not everybody thinks it's garbage. Almost everybody. There's people. They're they're fans of the show. There there are there are a few. But here's the thing. It's another. It's an exa- It's an example of a show that I have no interest in on any level. Not with the original show. I I didn't care about the original show. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about, and that's fine. Well, we be, we missed it by that much age wise, I think. Yeah, we were in the, we were in the wrong spot. But yeah. the thing is, is that this is a, this is a show where, for for everyone's complaints or everyone's praise of the original show or the new shows or whatever, my this is an example of when I think of when I think of Masters of the Universe, I think of the Dolph Lundgren movie, and that's not good. <laughs> That's not good because yeah. it's a bad movie. And Dolph Lundgren deserved better. <laughs> he deserved better than the first Punisher movie, too. He's a very clever guy. Um, well, he's got what? How many? How many degrees? Three or four Five? degrees. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's very intelligent. He just looks the way he looks. So his, he gets those roles. He's more of a just, scientist than Bill Nye. Well, he's more of a scientist than than pretty much any major actor who's been known to play scientists in movies. I mean, every every really intelligent looking actor who gets to play the scientist in the lab, you know, it's like, and here's 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 Doctor D- uh, Lundgren, and they're like, no, yeah. He's, yeah, I think he's, he's got a he's got a face for playing the big scary antagonist to the hero. And he's yeah. got the accent, right? It's the right. the and right. yeah, it's it's disappointing. Um, it's a shame, but it's understandable. I mean, it's the same problem Sylvester Stallone had for a long time. Still has for some. Yeah, still for some. Well, yeah. I mean, look, when your breakthrough role is as a character who is his his strength as a character is not that he's smart. Yeah. He said he's got a heart, right? And that's I, the. I gotta say, I watched when I watched Samaritan. I thought the where it went was a pretty decent payoff. It is. <clears throat> it's not where you expect it to go in the beginning. I mean, the clues right. are there if you're paying attention, oh, yeah, and sure. in mm-hmm. hindsight, you look back, and you go, "Oh, of course, sure, you see that coming," but that was. That was, I think, pretty well done. Given that it's, you know, it uses a lot of tropes, but it does it in a in a pretty good it's, way. It's an example of a movie that had come out before the pandemic, um, maybe in the early days of Marvel, 
it would have played a lot better. I, I think it, I, w- I was entertained. Yeah. Okay. Which is, which honestly is a decent bar to go for, <laughs> right? Or, am I entertained? In this, in and, this day and age? Uh, it's, it's... Well, I mean, and look, in, in fairness, for, for all the fact that you and I talk about these things and have criticisms and praise, and we do, to some degree, act in the role of critic, the fact is, is that not everything is to everyone's taste. Not everything is to our own personal levels of quality. Sometimes just being entertained is the only baseline that matters. Yeah. And I first for Samaritan, I was entertained. And but I also know that Stallone can play this kind of part. You know, you and I have been talking uh, Copland, folks. Yes, if you haven't yes, seen absolutely, Copland, absolutely, <laughs> it's like you know the the idea that it's like the the what was the oh um, Unforgiven, right? When mm-hmm. Unforgiven yep. came out, people were like, Clint Eastwood can act. It's like, yes, he can act. Just because he didn't <laughs> say anything for about twenty years in a western doesn't mean he doesn't know how to use dialogue. And he'd been other things, obviously. But I mean, right. people were. People were surprised because they were casual Western watchers, right? Yeah. And so they were surprised when Unforgiven came out. Of course, Unforgiven had well, the, Unforgiven the story no one was expecting either. Yeah, it's a completely different type of Western, too. So Right. It's so, but I mean, the, the there was a sudden sudden realization for some people, and other people had known all along, but sudden realization that Clint Eastwood could be, like, super nuanced without talking well, the other part of that too was when when he did um, every which way but loose. When he did the movie with the orangutan, oh, and everyone was like, "Wait, which, which, Eastwood's in a comedy?" Yeah, but that was even be, that was far enough before Unforgiven that people were kind of like, "Yeah," was, but it was it was, it was in that same time with Dirty Harry though, because right. you know he was he was tough cop Dirty Harry, and then suddenly he's he's doing a movie with a monkey. Right. So I mean, you know, there's. <clears throat> There's something to be said for for recognizing that these folks are not necessarily in the in the box right. that you normally think. I think that some actors, you know, you get somebody like say Bruce Willis who broke out of the comedy box into the action box, but then you try then he tried to go over into the into the psychological thriller box and it didn't really fit, <laughs> and then he got into the supernatural thriller box, and you know, changed yeah. well made M Night. Shyamalan's career, but you know. Yeah. Speaking so. of somebody who who is in a new box, you you saw the the news about Joe Casada. Yeah. Joe Casada. For those of you who don't know, Joe Casada spent a number of years as the editor in chief and then chief creative officer at Marvel Comics. Before that, long before that, he was at DC Comics and is now back at DC Comics as an artist. Going to be doing a bunch of cover stuff. Um, going to be doing well, special Batman projects. Batman cover variants. looks pretty good. That's the only thing I've seen so far, but it looks yeah. pretty good. Yeah, the Batman 131 and 132 he's going to be doing, and he's doing a bunch of variant covers for a number of other titles. And I saw that, and I thought, that's that just... There are going to be people who are just... Because <laughs> Joe Casada at DC is just... Don't know why. I mean, he well, got because Casada his... is Marvel. You, you, you know, we've well, spent okay, okay, so fair. many yeah, years. Okay. But, and... but also, that's another example of old enough to remember, right? 
Right. Right. And, and, and some of that's, there's that too. It's like people who, uh, you know, the, every, every person who was like, Leslie Nielsen is so funny. It's like, Leslie Nielsen used to be a dramatic leading man actor. He was the love interest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's interesting that when, when some of these people, I mean, well, and, and you look at some of the, the longevity of some of these folks' careers, you look at some of these folks who are, they were drawing stuff that you and I were reading as kids. Right. Right. And now they're, they're still doing it, which is fantastic. I love the fact that some of these artists are, are still around and still putting out good work because I, I, mean, I still want to get, Walt and Wheezy on our magazine. Oh, I want to I want to get Louise Simonson to write a short story, and I want Walt to do art for it. And I got to figure yep. out how to make that happen. So, you know, we ought to do. Okay, so we're we're an hour and a half in. What we pr probably should do because we haven't even talked about the publishing side of things because the there were some comic book announcements and some different right, things yep. there. Why don't we do part two next week? Okay, and that'll give you time to get your your dry throat healed up and yeah i was just i mean, I, <laughs> I was thinking i might i got up this morning and i didn't get that weird thing where your ear almost feels like there's water in it right you're like am i on the edge of a cold i have uh, been yeah, i have yeah, been yeah. dealing so with we'll yeah because you know with the weather changing because now we're getting into fall yeah, the, we, the, know, the weather the, the weather boomerang from hot to cold always screws up my sinuses so hopefully it's just sinus yeah. nonsense but i have been waking up with sinus headaches for a week now and yeah. I I can feel right in here. I I looked at I looked uh -huh. I was talking to Mindy the other day. I was like, I can feel the sinusitis is just almost there. We're almost you know you could almost set your set your clock to it. Sure. You know, yeah. Sinusitis yeah. and bronchitis. It's coming. It's coming. But so uh, I just you know I'm just gonna keep drinking lots of water and uh, maybe yeah. we'll get maybe go buy some orange juice or something. Yeah. And then we will be back next week. And and it's not con crud. It's not. It's not. I'm not saying I want Concrud, but just don't. <laughs> um, but it would be, you know. Yeah. Uh, Emma says, uh, what is Corsitin? that? Corsitin? Is that? Is that how you pronounce that? I don't. Helps I'm allergies? not sure. All right. All right, so um, in the meantime, you can connect with us on a number of different social media platforms. We're on a lot of them. Uh, as well as the video platforms, we are currently sitting at 75 over at Rumble. We need to get that up to 100, and then uh, we have to pay a fee so we can start live streaming over on Rumble. We tried to, I, we tried to stream to uh, locals tonight, and for whatever reason, it didn't, it didn't take because um, it didn't like this as the source it wanted to use my other camera and i was like no i want this one i want to do this <laughs> so we got to figure out locals but um we're we're getting closer to being able to stream to rumble we can do you know we do odyssey we do facebook we do we do youtube um so we're gonna we're gonna be trying to expand on all of that uh with capability and stuff and some of the stuff in the studio we've been talking about doing some rearranging here so you know it, it we're trying to make sure that we can do things and continue to do things. So uh, so check out all the rest of the videos that we got. Find us on the socials. Uh, uh, follow us on Odyssey and Rumble. And uh, we'll be back to do all of this next week. Tomorrow night, 
A new discussion in the Ranker Pit. We'll be talking about Andor, as well as some rumors about Harrison Ford and his next project. Plus, uh, we'll have some guests. Uh, Michelle Smith from Force of Light Entertainment will be with us, and we might have a couple of other people pop in. I haven't got confirmation yet. But that's at 88 Eastern, 7 Central tomorrow night. And, of course, live from the bunker on Wednesday. And I have no idea what we're going to talk about then. So that'll, something. that'll do it for us tonight. New York Comic Con Part 2 next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. I'll also, <laughs> you know, uh, congratulations, Mark Raycup. The case has been dismissed, tossed out. So, uh, well, charges dropped. That's the official thing. The district attorney says, there's no case here. Right. So good for him. All right. That's it for us tonight. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Have a good evening. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi for Me Radio. 